This podcast is brought to you by Steed Motor Group, Clare Galway. For your personalised vehicle shopping experience, find out more at steedmotorgroup.ie. So I'm joined now by Jonathan Higgins of Galway Bay FM and we're going to have uh, current Hepburn footballer uh, Pora Cunningham in the next few minutes. Just to look back on the action in the Galway Senior and Intermediate Championship over the weekend. Uh, the football really did come to life uh, at the weekend. Some spectacular games across both the senior and intermediate. Jonathan, just before I do that, uh, the appointment obviously came of the Galway under-20 uh, manager and it has been confirmed that Derek Savage is going to get that job after 2023 going in obviously to the 2024 season um, a great appointment really and you look at the management team and you look at such a player to have involved with, particularly with these Galway younger, younger players it felt like when his name was put forward that there was a great chance he was going to get it Yeah well I guess if you're going for the former player approach and the legends approach um, they've definitely gone the right way uh, like Savage uh, and Ja, of course, as well. Uh, talk about absolute idols and heroes of mine growing up on that team. I think everybody involved in the glory days of, or that watched it on the glory days of, of Bowie football. You add in Gert Bradshaw as well. And, you know, it's pretty stacked backroom staff and um, set up, which is all the rage these days. Uh, probably a little bit surprised if I'm being brutally honest. I, I would have thought the, uh, the first step would have been towards the minor job potentially after. They're primarily involved in the the North Galway under sixteen Ted Webb side. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely uh, the, the caliper. And I listened to um, Derry talking to Galway Bay on, on Saturday, and you you know you feel like they're ready to ready to motor straight away. Um, it's far from the whole. I'm the former player. I, I rock up here and and take over scenario. You know, it's a player that's. Our manager that's well clued in in the in the modern game uh, and knows as well that he described himself. He played in the modern game as well in that transition away. I think we've seen probably a little bit Warwick coming into the uh, to the senior setup initially that maybe the dream and the romantic notions of of playing this beautiful football and driving in long at the edge of the square those days are, are are gone sadly. But you do have to adapt. But there will be facets of the game that they'll be able to take in there also. But you know it's it's exciting before. before uh, sort of uh, appointment. Uh, it certainly got a lot of buzz up and down the country as well. And what what a, what announced and what a, a, a kind of a rule of experience they have on that backroom staff there, and uh, can can only serve Galway well going forward. And look, they'll be taken by and large the backbone of an All Ireland winner minors side there into it. And you know, there's a lot of young potential, a lot of young good footballers in the county as well. And it was very noticeable when he spoke on Saturday, but wanting to, to reach the net out and, you know, look at a, a, every sort of team up and down the country, up and down the, the county in terms of getting them on board and, yeah, throwing that net out. So that that's important as well. So, yeah, no, it's exciting times. So we have Borg coming on as well in here um, now. Borg, we're just talking there. There's a lot of intrigue, I suppose, now with the Galway Under-20 management uh, team being announced there over the weekend. Yeah, definitely. Look, it was um, Derek's... Uh... He's a masterclass of the game from a long time ago. I think he's look as you, you go out his uh, his career and his highlights speaking up off for him. But he's a bad management team there going and uh, like I said, Gareth Bradshaw coming in there is a uh, wealth, wealth and wealth of experience. So it's exciting times to go under twenties and um, think they'll relish the opportunity of playing under someone like uh, Derek Savage. There's excitement there too, obviously when you have Jeff Allen in there too. 
yeah, definitely. Like it's uh, it's it's not just one there. There's five or six people there that are top class. Like Paul Harty, Jamie, and Joe. Uh, there's some some serious, serious, serious uh, people to work with there. Yeah, there definitely does uh, seem to be a lot of excitement around that management team at the moment. Just before I do get into the club action, um, obviously condolences out to the St. James's uh, wider community there on the death of Alfie Howley. He was a real club stalwart there. And to the South Hill Knock Nakara uh, club, obviously, on the sad passing of Amy's Handley brother, Finian, too. So there was sadness in them, uh, two clubs over the weekend. And we just pass on our condolences uh, to everyone associated there. On the club action, uh, Jonathan, it, it did really seem to come to life this weekend. Yeah, I think I mentioned it the last time I was on here that, you know, you're coming to round three, the halfway mark, that it is kind of the time where the championship gets to life. That little bit of jeopardy that might have been there is suddenly, I think the rug is taken away and groups are starting to take a lot of shape. Uh, and teams know that they, you know, both ends of the spectrum, whether they be trying to get out of the group and into the knockout stages or or hold on to that all-important senior football status. That that came to life, and you, you saw that over the course of the game, over the, the weekend, probably the best weekend of football we've had to date, and that's no surprise, just given everything that we've described there. But yeah, some great games. Um, I was in Pierce Stadium for, for both days, and it just rained goals. Um, some really exciting games, and I, I suppose the one overview I would probably take of the weekend from just from the games that I covered would probably be looking at Salty Lochnacar. I think that was a huge line in the sand for them. Clannan put up one hell of a battle. The first half was as good as a half of football as I've seen in a long, long time. Clannan really, really threw the kitchen sink at them. Just a very exciting game, very attacking game. Um, Start performance right to, down the spine of both setups. But in the second half, it was noticeable. Salty Lochnacar, a good old John back to his old, you know, every trick in the book. He had the team in well late. They had to, I think two or three rounds of officials had to come in to try and get them out. But when they did get out on the pitch, they they blitzed Kalalan in the second half. Rob Fringe, got 2-4. Um, they had just a bit of nous to them. And, and as well as you'd come to expect, with, you know, we talked about backroom teams of, of Ja and, 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 and Savo, but no more than the John Amani and the setup that he has there at Salt Hill. The players are so well coached. They react on the on the pitch to different circumstances. They they react to themselves without kind of no shouting or roaring on the sideline. They're in a good good place, and it's no surprise when they, you looked at the the team sheets when we got them earlier on in the afternoon. And you saw Rob Trinity back. Okay, what's he going to be like? Score two four. John Maher is back again. Just an absolute rock in the middle of the field, um, and they're they're in good shape and. Kickouts are so so important as well. But I thought Roy Lavelle's kickouts were were incredible over the course of the weekend as well, and some of the moves that they they set up and the the space that they generated for the likes of John Maher in particular, Michael Glan was very good as well in the middle field. That was a strong strong midfield partnership. They're in a good place. They haven't gone away. And Tomo Clan was on the sideline being water boy. Hopefully he's not too far away from a, an overall going football perspective to watch on. They have firepower and um, they are. Many team, many people were saying, oh, they're part of the four, but they're just about hanging on, myself included. But I think they answered a lot of questions and that has a that result has a uh, huge potential that they will push on and um, certainly be strong, strong contenders now. Before we do get into the games, Cork, is there anyone standing out uh, for you already that maybe well, hasn't been in the goal conversation that could be in the goal conversation now? 
Um, there has, there has, and there hasn't. But like, like to be honest, I I've seen all three of. Um, I know we speak about them every week, but Mike Cullen's games, I've seen all three of Mike Cullen's games and they've been very, very impressive in all three. Considering as well, they were hit with the game on Saturday. They were hit with uh, Everett and Milltown Cole in the first 10, 15 minutes and then they just kind of created chances themselves and were more clinical than Milltown in the first 15, 20 minutes. Like, that, to me, it's just a sign of a team that have such wealth of experience and on top of that, then there's players like Sean Kelly and Peter Cook, they haven't graced the field yet. Johnny Maloney is fairly making a difference for it, even again there at the weekend. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's he's a massive, massive driving addition there for them. He he's always seems to be the man that's uh, the transition from the first third to the second third, the second third to the uh, third third. He's very good at getting on the ball and bringing it that 20 to 30 yards out of defence for them. He, he'd be very similar to the likes of David Wynn, in terms of that, but David will be a bit more defensive minded where Johnny just gets on the ball and he tries for, and he's nearly always coming on the loop or he's breaking the line in the attacking third as well for them. And he, he's even keep coming, uh, contributing with a score as well. Like, just obviously, you're on Colcon with that game at the weekend. Milltown will obviously have their regrets, but do you think, particularly in the first half, like they had a few efforts there? I know the breeze was strong and everything, but there was just a few efforts where they're working obviously a lot harder than Mike Cullen to get them scores. but just inside the 13 there there was a couple of chances in the first half you're thinking that just are very demoralising when you're up against the top team yeah definitely that's 100% it obviously now I don't want to go too hard on my Milton because I know Jonathan might come in across me and <laughs> give me boys. but um, no yeah like, like Milton will feel very very unlucky like they, to be fair I think they created a goal and possibly three points they left behind them in the first 15 minutes against Michael in the last day which like to Milton's credit, like Niall Costello or Liam Costello were an attacking threat for them all day. Like they picked up the ball and they just went at that Mike Cullen defence, which caused a lot of problems to Mike Cullen. David Wynn was probably lucky at the stage of the first half to stay on the field, I thought, for a tackle. But um, the referee obviously saw it different. But then again, like there was Mark, they were delivering ball inside to Mark Hare and Mike Martin. And like that is a, a massive threat for Milton. I was, I was very, very with Milton's overall performance of the game. Even in the second half, when they conceded the two goals, the, their heads didn't really go away because at one stage, I think they were down maybe 11 points and they, they still finished strongly and, and uh, only lost by six in the end to a, a brilliant Michael and team. Jonathan, as a Milton man, where are things for Milton now? Look, I think you're in a, in a good position straight away when you do get off to the two wins. Look, with the the greatest respect, it's always going to be a challenge against my Colin, even if they are missing a couple of players. But like, by all accounts, I was talking with a couple of my Colin lads afterwards, they were highly, highly impressed uh, with Milltown. And I think there was a stop there. I think they left 1-8 behind in the first half. Like, that's colossal, um, you know, sco scoring opportunities created. Um, I, look, they certainly, that that's the game where you look at the way that group is shaping up where you just don't want to get a pump and you want to stay competitive. You want to try and make a contest out of it. And by all accounts, they did. The next the next game now is a difficult one because Anna Down are in a new lease of life uh, at the moment. And that's a dangerous one. Like you're at that sort of halfway mark where you've, you've pretty much, would, you've done your, your step one, what you've stepped, which is stay in senior football and, you know, keep yourself competitive because the group is so split now with Lettermore and Spidell on, on no points. 
the Anna Down game is like this is where you want to do the next step if you want to get him through. Uh, uh, you get a, get a result out of that because you look at James's are up on four points, joining that that kind of middle third. Mike Cullen will win, will top the group out, uh, and then after that, it's pretty much the battle for second and potentially the best third place. So you want to keep you want to keep the score, the points obviously, but obviously the the, the second most important really thing is. You want to try and keep your score difference just intact, and it was important that didn't get a bit of a, a stuffing for, for my colour, which my colour have the have the potential to do that to any team. But the next one is huge now. Anna Downer, a new lease of life. You look at the improvement of Alan Glenn. I know we know talked about Derek Savage getting the job, but I think it's important to touch on Alan Glenn and, and uh, Donald Flaherty as well. Uh, the the two are the candidates where I think we're blessed in a position to have you know three such strong candidates. Uh, for those jobs, and you can certainly see Glenn's improvement on Anna Down. Like they were, you know, go too deep into it, but they were in a bad, bad place not that long ago. He's come in, he studied the studied the ship, but not only that, he has them insanely well coached. You look at the last two games; they've scored one three off throw-ins. That's huge. Um, Comer obviously is going to catch the lights because he's just an absolutely weapon, and he's a weapon in the intercounty game. Never mind in the club scene. But also they're getting other scores like um, Kilcommons at the middle, middle of the field was was incredible. And then Dai comes back on as well. I thought he was going to be down for and out for for quite a while when he went off the game previously. But I think it was an ankle injury. But to have him back, Jack Dowd is a good form. Um, or in Sheridan centre back is really good. Ryan Ford impresses me every single game uh, at full back. Also. Um, Potter is, I know he went off injured, but he had another fine game. James Healy is as good as a goalie as you get on the club scene as well from all aspects. And they are getting their kickouts where they're that that one the goal we tend to do under Keenan Eel, where you kind of you bring Comer out a little bit deeper, but you put it over the over the body and he comes on the loop, the far side. They started to do that as well with Healy. So they're a dangerous side. It's a huge test for Milton, and it's that kind of I suppose litmus test really for 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 that breakthrough, whether you're you're just happy to stay and secure senior football. I really, really push on. Like it's a, it was Anna Down last last year the, on the refix game against Barna and James Healy, <laughs> the forty five right right at the end. Where it's kind of one of those moments where what I had to say and what my thoughts in internally might might I, have been. I think I still have that text message from you that day, so I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no, what what a kick, what a, what a story that was. But like, there's a little maybe there's a little bit of motiv- motivation there. Not that you need anyone. It's a, it's nearly a local derby. As well, there's not that too much daylight between the two sides, not that far down the road. Uh, but yeah, no, look, that that's a really exciting game. And it's probably a result that pretty much has such a big impact on that. Because whoever wins that is probably battling with James's for the second position. Because James's are going to beat um, on Spiddale. On Spiddale are, are, are coming. Um, they're probably unlucky. They've certainly improved a good bit. They certainly have the firepower up top if they can just get things back. I think they'll be desperately keeping an eye out on the airport as well to get Finney and Olive back as well. Anton is back in it, had a fine game. They do have scorers up top. It's just a case, can they get enough football? Because at the bottom of their group, I think I think Neville and Lettermore are doomed unless something drastic happens. That was a bad, bad performance by, by them at the weekend. They're in a real sticky spot. But themselves, on Spadal, that is the four-pointer, whatever way you want to describe it. There'll be a bit of scalping in that game, I'd say. Well, Jonathan there is obviously touching on Anna Downs' victory over Spiddle. They obviously won a uh, six nine to nine um, at the weekend. Last time we had John, we were probably talking about Anna Downs' struggle up front. But 
Jack Dow now in the inside line with Frankie Burke and Damian Coleman, two goals at the weekend. He it definitely kind of has seemed to give Anna Down a, a bit of a different dimension up front now. Yeah, it sure has. Like um obviously uh Jonathan touched on it there, but having the powerhouse of Damien Comer inside and put forward, like in an intercounty game, he is he's a weapon. Like you can imagine what he's like in a club scene. Like, yeah, for Jack, he can just learn. He can just learn, keep learning from Damien Comer. Even Frankie Burke as well. Frankie done it for a long time. He's lived he's lived off anything that ball has gone anytime it goes in around Damien, he's in around ready to collect the ball if it breaks or anything like that. He's there for an easy hand pass. Not saying Frankie Frankie's game is top, top drawer as well. So it's an opportunity for Jack Dowell. I think he should relish it. He's playing with probably two of the best club footballers that has played in the game the last uh, 10 to 12 years. So for him, it's an opportunity to get in, get wealth and wealth of experience. And uh, like, uh, as Jonathan said, like Anadown have really probably come together in the last couple of weeks. Um, they put in a, a very, like that's an impressive, impressive performance. Six goals and Nine points says a statement of its own, to be honest, in that group. So I think in two weeks' time, we're in for a bit of a thriller between themselves and Milltown. You think that James's result has actually helped him? Yeah, I, I think um, I think the James's result has kind of uh, maybe, I suppose the best way of putting it is a kick up the hole has kind of given them what they needed. And it's something they really probably needed. And... It's filtered throughout the group and they've put all everything. One of them seems to have put their head down and they've came out the right side of it at the moment. Like they're back in the hunt. They're playing a, a as as uh, Jonathan said, a four pointer against Milltown um next next weekend. That's probably the decider for them. Um like I, I, I could see them get, putting up a, a big battle against Mike Cullen as well last day out because they're a team that don't fear anyone that's rated bigger than them. Uh, probably their problem is they be on par when they're on par with teams. They seem to just nearly drop to a level like that. Because I, I remember a couple of years ago when I went to see them play against Currafin in the semi final. Not many people gave them a chance, and with three minutes to go, it looked like they were heading for the county final. They were going to be the first team to beat Currafin. So it's similar in the terms of that that the way they just rise to the occasion nearly. Um, so this is why I'm intrigued, intrigued to see what's going to happen in two weeks' time. Yeah, no, that that Anderson Milltown uh, game is now it's it's. It's set up to be a tasty one. From, I suppose the other team in that group, uh, James is an extra more. James is there definitely going about their business nicely this year. Yeah, James is yeah. for me have been the, the side that's improved the most uh, over the course of the campaign. I remember seeing James is towards the tail end of last year's championship, and I thought these guys are doomed here. I th actually thought they were going to get relegated. Uh, but Barry Downey has come in, a very well drilled side, very well drilled. Uh, look, they have experienced the midfield partnership is as good as any Sam O'Neill and Paul Connery. That's as good as any partnership up and down the, the country at club level, never mind in Galway. Um, they are so well drilled. Like They got a lot of plaudits after the Mike Cullen game for, for how well drilled they were. And they've kept that consistently on. And yeah, they have firepower up top now as well. Aaron Connolly is dangerous. You know, there's, there's, there's options everywhere. They're, I think they are quickly becoming in that here just underneath the four I think they're really making a march on that and they're going to be a battle for for, for anybody really now and it, it, I think it's probably a battle for them and Anna Down who is going to finish second in the group I think I hope I'm wrong but I just feel like they'll have a bit more and you look at the way Anna Down have my Cullen the last round of games will my Cullen be able to just rest a few players for, for that one so who knows what way that will go um, but 
James is really good spot, really well drilled, really, really set up. And I think James is there a very dangerous side for anyone now over the course of the, of the championship. And they could still have a big impact on it. But you touched on it there. It was just uh, like, it was such a t- uh, touching moment seeing that performance. Uh, on the day we got that horrible news about uh, poor Alfie passed away. Like, you couldn't go into the stadium without meeting Alfie. You couldn't go to a, a James's game without him. It's such a, an impact. He's such a a warm personality and uh, just was Mr. Galway football. And uh, it was just fitting that they put in a performance that good t- to give give him the send-off that he deserved. Or I suppose the intrigue in this group now is really the battle between James's Milton and Anadam. Yeah, it, it is. It's came down to that. I think um I think uh Spiddle and Letchermore seem to have um got a few a fair few beatings in the in the group so far. So that that is another game between themselves that is another four pointer. But yeah, I think it's just came down to James's uh Milltown and Anadown. I not like Jonathan because he's a Milltown man, he's obviously gonna say that Anadown will beat them. But I was very I'm very, very impressed with Milltown. I was very impressed with them last last Saturday evening against Mike Cullen. The fight they had was something I hadn't seen in many teams considering when they conceded goal and came back into it again and then conceded another goal again and they stayed at it and at it. Uh, they tipped over, I th- I'm nearly sure and right in saying this, I think they tipped over, apart from maybe Niall Walsh's uh, point at the end, but I think he, they tipped over four scores toward the end that were massive for them. Um, I was very, very impressed with even around the middle, uh, Park Godwin. Um, he, he was like playing full back, but he drove out, he was driving force for them coming out the coming out the, from defence who he was. And then the, the likes of Liam Costler and Niall Costler, they're probably two of the fastest footballers in the county. So they, so when they pick up the ball and going at you at top speed, <laughs> it was coming to the situations where Mike Cullen were even saying, I don't know how to defend this unless we just follow them. So if Mar- Mark Hare and Mike, uh, Michael Martin can nail their freeze that they're winning, that the two boys are picking up, I think we're in for a cracking battle in two weeks' time. Just obviously Pork as well, because he'd been at all the Mike Cullen games um, before we just came to the second group. Are they still a step ahead, everyone? Um, they are in terms of, we know the player that was like last Saturday evening, uh, the Gaulish senior football captain, Sean Kelly, wasn't used once. Which, if if you said that to, to many club teams or, or many club managers and teams around, you'd be going, ah, you're, you're, you're lying to me. But he wasn't used. He didn't even warm up once. So I'd say he probably knew he wasn't being played and they, they knew they weren't going to use him. I was just so thoroughly impressed with how good they manage games. Um, like in terms of like the, fir- the first half of the last day against Milton, they would be so disappointed with the score they left behind them. But it, I, I turned to Darren Kelly, I think after 22 minutes and it was five points, I think, five points to one or something. And... Darren Kelly said, Mike Cullen have had six attempts at goals, one wide and five scores. Milton have had one four at goal and no and one point. It was just the gulp they showed, the class, like they worked the ball in, like Desi Keneally gets it, it like it's it, it's it's everyone knows what's going to happen with Mike Cullen, but they, they always seem to get the space. It's Niall Walsh, Desi Keneally, Owen Gallagher, the running threat coming forward, seem to be the boys running at the defences, but they're not shooting until they literally get to into a scoring zone that's an 80. So 100% shot conversion rate. I what well, that's what really really impressed me about Mike Cullen. Um, David Wynn drives forward there. He could be running at the top of the D, but he's still looking for Niall Welsh or he's looking for Desi Keneally or Owen Gallagher to finish. Which th- this is what it shows the gulp and the power that they have. For me, to be honest, they do look like the team 
to knock off the perch at the moment. Yeah, they just uh, obviously sit on top of that group, and then you have Anna Down, Milton James is in the chasing pack. No points yet for Spiddler, Lecher Moore, but that game is going to be a huge uh, battle of survival in this group when they both do uh, face each other. Jonathan, the game you're at uh, Saturday, Uchtdara Kerfin, is was Saturday a missed opportunity for Uchtdara? Uh, it, it probably was in the fact that they reduced the game, particularly in the first half, to the way they desired to have the set up, to have it a bit of a slow build up. Look, you all know how Alan Murphy's sides, we've seen enough of them over the years. You know straight away with the way they're going to set up. Um, and for the first half, as I said, they took the play completely on their own terms. They sat in deep. It's that shape. It's just a couple of men just outside, a couple of yards outside the 45, one in the middle, then everyone else clubs up the middle, right in the middle. And it was noticeable. It took Kurafin maybe two or three moves, maybe even a few more moves of the tactical chessboard to try and unravel it. And did they unravel in the end? Probably not. They probably just arm wrestled the way out of it. It was a probably a hard enough game to watch in terms of raw purest football. Just how that shape. And then, to be fair to the Mukhtarard, were quite dangerous on the counter-attack as well. And the goal they got by Adam Tierney was probably the prime example of that. Kerfin just had enough in the second half without really doing enough. It was kind of, you know, you get one of those games where you just get the job done and you get the hell out of there and take your points and on you go. It was well into, I think it was 15 minutes in the second half before they got into the lead for the first time when Dylan McHugh punched over. Um, would you say anybody in particular played very well for Kerfin? Probably not, but they're after losing Jason Le uh, Jason Leonard, they're after losing Ian Burke. And they feeling the loss up front, do you feel now? They probably were, but like you probably answered a lot of those. Dilly Canny stood up strong uh, and was the, the difference in terms, well, it was a huge part in um, getting them over the line. He also took over the free-taking responsibility, which is one of the big things that you are going to miss straight away because Leonard is such a, he just, he just has a golf swing of a of a, of a strike for, from a place ball. But Canning was solid. Tony Gill got a couple of important scores in the first half. The, the impact on the bench then as well, Dylan Wall come back from injury, came on, made a big, a big impact, um, but Gerard will be frustrated because there was only they were only a point up after half time, and that was despite kind of, I suppose, stalling Kerfin as much as they probably you probably could have had from a tackle point of view, but still, and and forcing Kerfin you know to to be in first or second gear, but still to be only a point gone or a point advantage probably wasn't enough for them, and also. Kerfin lost Conor Cunningham to a black card just two minutes before half time. When you're going into a situation like that where you know you're playing the first seven or eight minutes or whatever it is of the second half with a player extra, I think you really have to push on. But if anything, Ugtrard seemed to tire a bit. I'm not sure that's just the way the game was going in terms of, you know, it's so they put such an effort in. And, you know, when other team has the momentum, sometimes it can be hard going. But either way, Kerfin finish the stronger and look we talked about Salt Hill in the group putting down a marker this is another type of marker kind of winning ugly and all that and the old cliches that that come with that but and look an important victory a disappointing one for Oak Gerard the way they're going but there's this group isn't split as much as group A is and the fact that you don't have two teams cut adrift it's quite congested in the middle um, you would fancy that it'll probably be one and two will be finished as is now with 
Kerfin as one and Sultan Lochnikara as two. But after that, the scramble for third position is, and in fact, the scramble all the way down, like that was a bad result for Barna as well, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, I thought at the end, but to enter and curve in, job done, a learning curve and all that. And then let's hope from their point of view that they kick into life maybe a bit, a bit more. But I suppose it's not a bad place to be for Kevin Johnson at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, Jonathan touches on there with Kerfin Borek. It's job done, but from Udred, like he probably did have Kerfin stages in that game, and then obviously the Barney game, uh, second day out, they drew that. So I think there's frustrations there for Udred when you consider three points out of a possible six, and Kerfin are just kind of going along their business nicely. Yeah, that's that's it, Paul. Um, I like, uh, I know Kerfin were dealt a massive blow there with the likes of. Yeah, Jason Leder and Ian Burke stepping away from the squad for the year. That's like they're two marquee, marquee forwards that are probably good enough to be playing in our intercounty team. So, like, unfortunately for Curra Finn, they just have to, as Jonathan said, like Kevin will be happy, happy he's breaded just getting through the victories, winning ugly. But at the same time, he'll be a bit worried that he's not, they're not playing to the performance levels they probably should be playing at the moment. For Uchtarard, they will be, like Alan himself will analyse it, I'm sure, and he'll go back to the opportunities when he saw, probably saw the game for, taken for there for the win and that they didn't get it. Um, uh, I, I was, they will probably be disappointed with it for the day out when conceding, I think it was 1-2 in injury time against Barron as well to draw that game. Like So they will be, uh, obviously ruin the mistakes, but they can't really dwell on it and, and the, 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 that's the delight about this championship. You have, a ne- you have next game again in two weeks, they have to be up for it. Last time you are on as well, Park, we were talking about your neighbours. They were struggling in the open two rounds. Uh, I was talking to people from Berna. They're still absolutely sick about this result at the weekend. One five. Yeah. Um, in injury time, looked like they had it. Joe Monaghan gets probably a force enough goal, but that's that's a huge result for Galatasaray when you consider the blows they've had this year. Yeah, it 100% is. Um, I'm sure uh, they won't maybe say, and I was chatting to a few of them, and uh, they did say it was nearly daylight robbery. They took off Berna. But to be fair to Carlos Strand, look at you have to be in the game going into the last uh, three four minutes of the game. You have to be in it, and they were in the position like and like no better forward for Carlos Strand. The ball to fall to was Joe Monaghan. Um, he's probably one of their marquee forwards as a man to get the try to get the ball to and to finish and score like. So they will be delighted with that. That will gain them massive massive confidence. Now they have a chance of possibly securing their status without even getting uh, before the groups end. So. Look at it. it's an opportunity for themselves. They they won't they won't fear anyone. It's the way the Carlos Strand are. They they go out. They could be playing again. They could be playing against the Dublin Intercounty team, and they still fancy their chances with them. So there's a great belief down there, and I'm sure they're excited for another another crack at the whip again in two weeks' time. The setbacks they had to Port, they obviously lost to Ian Aban. I think it was Brian McCabe who actually had, went into goals. Then um, he obviously hasn't played most of his career in goals for Carlos Strand either. So. And then, like, even the last time you were on with Alan, like, they've lost some amount of players this year. They're obviously hoping to get Alan Morris back soon, but like just for the setbacks they've had to, to stay in that game. Yeah, that's exactly it. Look, at, uh, I, I couldn't believe myself when I seen the picture of Barry, Barry McCabe and goal. I'm sure he couldn't believe himself when he had to be, when he had to be called on. But look, at, like, that's it exactly for Carlos Strand. They stayed in the game. And going into a game of football with three minutes to go, you never know what's going to happen. Unluckily for Berna, they will be sick and they probably are still sick of what happened. But for Carlos Strand, you're in the game, the opportunity comes, you have to take it. And they sure did. 
yeah, Stephen Lawless got a black card as well in, in that period as well, which um, even then you heard of themselves, but a huge result there for, uh, for Cash Brown. Johnson, I know we already touched uh, on Salt Hill, but they really do seem to be coming kind of back in back in now to form. And you could, it's probably for them now just about getting Garrow Armstrong and Tom O'Callaghan back on the pitch. Yeah, and probably just building a bit of consistency on the performance of, of what they had, keeping like Finnerty, getting him back in motor and is key as well. He probably would have been a little bit disappointed of his first half performance. And look, I'm not privy to what went on in the dressing room, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a rocket set up him and there were probably a number of other of their players um, just to get them motivated for the second half. This Whatever was said in ours or said or wasn't said, it certainly had a, a big impact on their performance in the second half. But they're so strong, Carl Sweeney was immense for them again. Like the amount of ground that he can cover. Um, Daniel Flaherty was interesting just to play fullback, but not really, I suppose, an orthodox fullback. It was more kind of just being another runner from slightly deeper. It just gave them, a, it was, I thought it was a very interesting tactical variation. It just gives that different angle in terms of, you know, it's not as if he was playing fullback and sitting on the edge of the square and that was it. But just, he was able to just change the point of attack by running from a little bit deeper. It gives them another little bit of angle and I was, it worked a treat. And uh, that's certainly something to keep an eye on because, like, you're used to Carl Sweeney being the line breaker, but if you have another variation as well, it certainly adds to it. And like, they're they had a lot of strong performance the whole way down the team. There was a really good second half team performance in a game that was in the melting pot. And look, you don't want to go too overboard, but had they not got the result in that, which was maybe you maybe you always expected Sultan Lachlanhara to to push on in the second half, but it was far from written on the stars that, that was going to happen based on the first half performance and you can only be admiral it's not what they probably want they wanted the points Clallan, but the way they you know they lost Patrick Sweeney just after getting the goal as well that was a big moment and the Kelly came on and did quite well for them but that's a big loss for any kind of smaller club with a smaller pick or whatever but they reacted to that well and they reacted to pretty much everything in the first half and they tore right into Salt Hill it, it just aided to a, a fascinating watch but the second half, like it, I was sort of saying, is if Salt Hill had lost that, that probably was it. You don't have two overboard, but it probably was if they hadn't got the result that they desired there. But instead, it's it's a flip side, and it's like while like you, you, without contradicting myself, it's two points for the victory for them and Cora Finn. But those two points were a lot more important to Salt Hill, and just in the fact that it just keeps them going now, it could kickstart or has the potential to kickstart, and that spine of the team. Whether it's Lavelle or Flaherty, you want to go Sweeney or, or, or wherever, Daly, Maher, Colan, whoever you want to put centre forward and, and Rob Finnerty, like that's strong all of a sudden. And, you know, they they certainly aren't going away and uh, a very important victory for them. Who do you see getting third spot in that group, Bork? Uh, uh, I, I don't know, to be honest. Like, I, I would have, uh, when I picked up the group at the start, I was saying, yeah, it's going to be probably Kerfin, Sawtill 1 and 2. And then I was saying Uchtarard. Um, Uchtarard will be so disappointed. I, th- I just think with the performance against Bern, I could see him 1 2 in injury time. Um, I, so, like, I, I, ju- I, I, I don't know. I think if, I think Uchtarard might get there in the end. I know they have Sawtill to play. I think there is a performance in Uchtarard. I think they could I think they could take a scalp off Sawtill, maybe, even though. Jonathan is singing the praises here of Sawtill and they do seem like they have got their stuff together and hopefully Tomo, we can see Tomo back in the pitch and Garrow Armstrong back in the pitch for them again soon. But maybe I think Uchtarard might just get there, maybe. 
Yeah, I do. I do think there is. Sorry, I do think there is one massive performance in Uxbridge yet. I don't know whether that's letting off the 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 handbrake a little bit and go a little bit more all out attack. They do they do sit very deep and then they try and counter, uh, and they they were quite dangerous in the counter attack. I don't know. Can you keep that going? But I uh, there's enough of big names there. There's enough of scoring people in that, and there's enough of danger in that side. I think they have one big wow performance in them. I think. Out of the rest of the teams, they're probably best served. I'm not convinced. Look, each to their each to their own on that. I'm not convinced that the setup they have is getting the best out of them. But I do think, on the flip side, that there is one big wow performance in them, and they still have the potential to be very, very, very dangerous because there's a lot of quality, there's a lot of experience, there's a lot of players in that side that have won big titles, um, and they're probably better served. I think Kalalan, if you look at it. Probably going to be very disappointed after losing that in the manner of it. The injury to Sweeney as well. How how bad will that be? Barna, I think. Oh, I know they had the momentum of, of winning the league and all that, but the way the the way the the course of the campaign so far has gone with the draws and particularly getting caught like that, Carl Strand, you know, are going to be there or thereabouts. But I think the potential there for Uchtar, they have the highest ceiling out of that. But I, if they just need to foot down to the mat, I think. There's a battle there now, really, you could say, between Berna, Kalashan, Kalana, uh, and Utrecht at third spot that they all feel like there's still opportunities there. Gord, I know you have to jump soon, but just on a game here on, on Saturday, Group 3, Tomb Stairs, 12 points, St. Michael's 2 6. Who would have more regrets that they didn't get the victory here? Well, I, I, I was probably recapping the game and I was thinking back, and I, I, I think four teams. Both teams, to be honest, would be just disappointed they didn't come out of there with the win. Both teams had opportunities coming in down the stretch as well. But I, I think for St. Michael's, they probably will be a dis bit disappointed. They scored their sixth point of the game on the 80th minute of the first half. They didn't score another point for the rest of the game. I know they got came out in the second half and for the first 12 minutes, it looked like they were going to blitz you. They got two cracking goals, created another one, probably a, a hand pass from Gary Higgins, probably a tiny bit too much. And it was and then uh, Brian Harlow was bearing down on goal. I do think then from then on though, from the probably the forty first minute on, Tune kicked into life. It was like the second goal woke them all up. Gary Donald was a massive driving force for them. Conor Rattigan was absolutely superb in the middle of the field. He I picked up the ball, I think at his own forty five one side, and he just ran clean down the left hand side of the pitch, stepped into the D and kicked a great score. It kind of drove them on. I think they both teams would be very disappointed. But if I was made to pick one, I will say Michael, simply because they just didn't score enough was the killer for them. They just didn't score enough. Whereas uh, Tume had opportunities too as well. Like um, Jamie Murphy had a free on the 45, 46 metres out. Well, I think going into injury time in the middle of the middle of the goal with a bit of a win behind him. I think everyone on the ground would have fancied him to put it over and he just didn't. He just didn't connect to it properly. But I was so impressed then as well with Brian Mannion inside. Like he... They were delivering ball inside to him. He was turning his man and he was getting scores at critical times. So, to be honest, both teams will be devastated they didn't come out of there, but both teams will also be delighted they didn't lose the game. Is that a bit of a concern for Michaels when you consider 2-6, six, 6 points in 18 minutes and then 1-1 one, one around earlier against Montpellier? Yeah, I think, like, look at Cullum Tumman and his management team. They're a fantastic management team. They've, they've it all, they, they seem to have it all to do. They've all, the setup is, look, seems right. They're, 
tactics, everything seems to be good. It's just the, probably the end product isn't there for them at the moment. Brian Harlow, like he had a fantastic game. He was brilliant. He scored probably two or three great scores. He was, uh, I don't know who got who took the second goal in the end. He he was probably robbed a bit from Gary Somerville, but like they they just seem to just lack that person that can probably grab the ball 25, 30 yards out and just kick a score for them. Like when the game is under the cost, it, I think they will be a bit worried, a bit disappointed the management team, but saying that there is plenty of them, plenty of forwards there that they can work on and try to, like Gary Higgins, he probably missed two frees towards the end. Difficult frees now to be fair to him, but he, he would probably be disappointed himself with the ability he knows he has. And then for two months, they lost lost Clairvaux, they've got a draw here, but even before getting into the second game, this this group is just going to get so exciting now because you consider Michael's have one game left and like the other the other result uh in this group was probably the standout result down at the weekend, right? Yeah, it sure was. I um so that's that's exactly it. I, I look at it myself, I, I didn't really give Dunmore a chance against Montpellier. And um, but like it was a, obviously a fantastic performance from the Moors come out of there with a draw. Montpellier themselves probably will be a bit disappointed, uh, knowing the ability and the standard they play to. They will be a bit disappointed coming off with that result, but it does that result has thrown the group completely wide open now. I know Michael's next game is uh, Montpellier, my loss, so they will look to hopefully take it's up Clare something Clare. Clare Sorry? For Sorry, it's clear going for Michael's. Oh, is it Claire Goy for my team? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, then, sorry, yeah, they played. Yeah, so it's Claire Goy for that. So that game is set up to be an absolute battle between the two sides. S- same for Dunmore. I know they have Duke to play. That's a local rivalry next door neighbours. So that that there is cracking games left in that group. Yeah, and with that, even, um, Jonathan, Dunmore won 6 to 1 2 down. They're 1 8 to 1 7 ahead. Going deep into injury time. Colin Ryan saves Montpellier for a point in the end. But like no, 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 nobody gave Dunmore a chance at all over the weekend. No, no, it's one of those results that you look at and you go, "Wow, is there, is there a mistake here or something like that?" It's a huge, huge. I was going to say victory. It almost feels like a victory for Dunmore, doesn't it? But it is probably maybe aside from the four walls of the dressing room, it is probably the result that nobody expected, or it's a point better off than it would be. And that this group with the kind of mismatch setup of of a team less. It just leads to this almost crazy setup now where you're going to have teams watching on. Uh, what a horrible position that, that, that's going to be. Um, but Michael's probably disappointed now, really, like having played the extra game to, to be not far enough away. Like it's almost destiny out of their own hands now, isn't it, really? And you thought that Dunmore were nearly headed for the wooden spoon at, at one stage there, particularly after the opening night where. They played quite well at times, but Michael's are too much for them. But it just, look, Montpellier, my lot, will finish top. I think that's the only thing you can say with any sort of certainty in this group after all this best luck trying to work this one out, lads, because you have the four there and it could go, it could really go anyway. Like, there's nothing between the sides at the moment. Probably, like, yeah, it's it's even just to try and comprehend it. So what are the, the fixtures left in that? It's tuned or more, that will be... <laughs> there might be a football there someplace. <laughs> that that has championship football all over it. The Shams versus the Shafts and uh, and all that. That's that's just one of those games where it's almost un- unmissable, isn't it? Really, um, Claire Galway Michaels, a huge game. That's Michaels' last 
last that, game then. So they sit out the last the last round. That's an awful position, I think, to be in. Um, I, I, I have to say from personal point of view, I, I don't like this setup here. Uh, I don't like the way teams are going to be watching on for me. I know the, the powers to be above have taken it, but I think it just leaves a, a horrible situation, really, doesn't it? Um, and then lastly out, Montbellion, my law versus Chum. What stage will Montbellion, my law be? Will they be in that classic? We've done enough. We've secured top spot. Are we going to rest? Or so that's another facet in that one. And then Dunmore and Clare Galway. Oh, like Dunmore's last two games. Like, well, like would you put anything past the Dunmore setup? We've seen. I heard a lot of conversation in the stadium there, particularly watching. Don't want to keep harping back. Were you watching Evan Letamore and and how adrift they seem to be at things about intermediate football and the standard. But you look at Dumore that have come into it straight away and I know they've only got a point on the board, but they seem like they've just, I suppose they've taken the, the DNA of their club and they've just rewind the clock a bit. And there's a lot, obviously there's a lot of young talent there coming through the club as well. But sometimes, I don't know, is it what Mourinho used to say, this is football heritage or whatnot. But I think it is an important point as well that, the motivation or the setup in the club, then they'll fear absolutely nobody. And like, really, you should say, like, take the next game. It's Tum Stars, a seasoned, seasoned um, senior outfit side that are being such a difficult challenge against a side that's just been promoted. It should be a mismatch, but it's not going to be. Like, I dare anybody to call that at the moment. Took you probably fancy towards Tum, but nearly on motive, or nearly on current form. Would you say more? I, I don't know. Like, it's it's such an even an even tie, but. For better or for worse, I'm not a fan of the, the the uneven number, but it's going to lead to some fascinating drama. And the good thing is, if you want to take an overview, there's this while you can probably predict one and two in groups one and two and the winner in group three, aside from that, the groups are wide, wide, wide open. And there's so many conversations here that are going to go on. We could talk to the cows come home and, and still kind of debate back and forth, different variations and this. And I think... Last year, we went down to the, was the following Tuesday night, was it in Duggan Park? I think we are going to be calculators at the ready and don't forget that slight little rule change that I'm not going to go into now, now as well. The people in Clare were caught off, but it's not the same setup as, as last year. Let's put it that way. Score difference in the in the, in the the individual games between teams that are level and not overall score difference pretty much to give an overview, but it sets up for what has been a slow charter of a championship, it sets up for just drama after drama after drama and uh, calculators at the ready. Yeah, so obviously, well, just the table is uh, Montbello on top of five, Michaels in second, three points, a game left to play, uh, Claire Galway third on two points, and Trim in fourth on a point, and Dunmore bottom place on a point, so not much between um, them teams off. Fork, who do you think is going to come through with Montbello? <laughs> Edford, Edford. <laughs> Edford, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, no, uh, if I was, uh, I, I, say it's it. tough one. if I was a betting man and if I was putting my money down, um, I probably, I probably would go with the experience of Tum. To be honest, I think, I think the experience, uh, they have with the likes of Gary O'Donnell, Jamie Murphy, Angus Tierney. Even like Cormac Walter there in the middle of the field or centre half forward and Conor Radigan, I think that'll just get them just get them that second spot. To be honest, I like obviously it's not it's 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 I could be completely wrong here and Tume could end up being the team in the relegation. But look, I just think that Tume 
Toom's experience showed to me on Saturday evening on the 42nd minute on, they just showed to me that they might they might look shaky, but their experience came into the last in the last 18 minutes and they just got back into that game at pure that they've played senior for a long time. And that's what it was really that got them back into the game. Uh, look at that doesn't rule out like the more uh, like uh, that, that performance against Montpellier could give you nothing but confidence so like human the more next week as Jonathan said I hope there's a football at it because it will be an absolute cracker like. yeah no it's 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 a game along with Anadown Milltown where you're nearly hoping for that game to be a double header already because uh, <laughs> they're they're going to be two cracking games in store just on the intermediate briefly before I finish up lads Who's who's jumping out for your so far there? Uh, yeah, look, there's in that intermediate it's it's a it's a war. There's there's probably eight sides that are good enough to win it, yeah, good enough to win that intermediate. Um so at the moment I, I, I was actually looking at the groups today and I seen this every uh, every group I I think is nearly it's it, both all, all teams are qualified. Every team is on there's two teams on four and two teams on zero on both on all groups. For me, uh, probably from even just the experience of playing in the intermediate, I, I'd be looking at probably the likes of me or Braddocks again. They just know how to win uh, the intermediate. They they look like they've kind of got their act together again this year. They looked impressive in the first day out against um, Cartoon, I think it was, that they looked very impressive yeah. up in Craig that day. Um, then as well, on top of me or Braddocks, I'd be looking at probably Kilconley and Glenn Amadi then as well. Uh, Glenn Amadi will be hurt from last year. Uh, they they went to the wire with Kilconley in the semi-final, I think it was, and it was a cracking game. But they were, look like the team that are hunger, hung, that have the hunger again. So, yeah, look at your, like, then you haven't, like, like you can, I, I can make a case for all eight teams at the moment, to be honest. St. Brendan's as well. So, yeah, look, it's an, it's an intriguing battle. And if I was, if, if I was to pick one now, I probably would be looking at it probably, if they avoid each other, probably Kilconley and Neil Brannock's being my two. Jonathan, it's it's obviously with the intermediate this year they've brought in the preliminary quarterfinals, but the last round of these games are actually, if you if you look at the fixtures, it's it means first versus second in nearly every group. Um, so whoever wins that will go straight through to the quarterfinal. Then you have third and fourth. It's it's huge games for some of them clubs because if they win, they're in a preliminary quarterfinal, and if they lose, they're into a relegation battle. Yeah, you have a first fourth. Play, pretty much play off in all the groups the way the, the uh, fixtures have gone because as Park said there it's two teams on four two teams in zero the whole way through the, all the groups and they all the, the fours and the zeros play play each other so yeah, you talked about calculations and all that this is the potential to be very very easy it's just winner on the day here we'll go through maybe a little bit of variation in between if there's draws or whatnot but by and large it's going to be out the gap straight, straight away um so yeah, no, it sets up on the the crossplay thing as well. Just adds another layer, isn't it, to it as well? It just maybe puts an an extra bit of a of a of a, of a safety rope there for for some of the sides. Um, but you know, I haven't seen a lot of intermediate football. I won't lie, just because so much up with the with the senior championship. But you're ready from what you see and what you hear. It's it it is the the old stalwarts straight away, Kikali in, in particular. But I think. I think one from the uh, from the outside, maybe not from the outside, is one of A Abbey as well. Under Bunty Roach seem to be going quite well as well. And out jail at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, um, and that adds character as well, doesn't it? Uh, it adds it adds a lot to the squad and the squad. And like you know, you talked about teams that are 
just rugged and will not say down, say die, and will fight to the very, very end. And that's another another club that you can put in in in, in definitely in that bracket as well. Um, I think they seem to be the championship has the potential to be wide open, doesn't it? Like you have a you have a number of different like just the way as you touched on the groups there, the, the way the winners and the ones and twos like like Glenn and Maddie again, but a good shout be shot if I don't mention you know, Malahi has them flying as well and remember that crazy game in the, in Shum last year as well where there was, what was it, five or six red cards or whatever it was <laughs> that was the Milltown that was the Milltown coming out though, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but like great crazy crazy games and look they're they're going well as well so um yeah look there's there's a lot of isn't it like it, it's it's such an exciting competition it, it really is and look the, the the way with the restructure and the, the how difficult it is to go up when you're whittling down teams at a, to narrow down the numbers in senior, it's allowed this intermediate um, grade to be ultra ultra competitive. Like look how long it took to more, for instance, to try and get out with the juggernaut there, uh, and look look we're there, you know, putting up that result of the weekend. I think that's probably akin really to the the level of quality of the intermediate. But to try and pick a winner or try and pick anyone out of that to say with any degree of confidence, you. Had a couple of rank Rakshanis inside you because it's so wide open, it's so unpredictable, it's so close, and I think we're set for an absolutely enthralling championship there as well. And it's getting really into the knockout stages already here in the last round. Or you're you're pushing after the weekend to get back up to intermediate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at it. Um, yeah, look at it was uh, a battle over in Ballinasloe, and um, it's a big wide open pitch, and we. Uh, we came out. Obviously, we were a bit hurt from the game before, but look, we got the we got the result we needed on Sunday, and we just have to move forward now to four weeks' time. Jesus, all the cliches learned. You're in the media <laughs> business only a couple of weeks, and you're already rolling out cliches. <laughs> <laughs> I learned them all from you, sure. Uh, sound. <laughs> well, uh, that's all we have on our, our uh podcast for today looking back at the senior and intermediate uh, championships over the weekend we'll have uh, Barry's edition uh, the updated edition of the power rankings as well uh, this week across the senior and intermediate championships that's all we have time for, for today <laughs>